let's hear from God's word. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Amen. Uh, We stand, if we're able, to sing a very well-known traditional hymn that's appropriate for harvest, All Things Bright and Beautiful. for prayer. Let us pray together. Father God, thank you for all of the created order. We live in a time now where far more attention is paid to what is happening with the environment. And we as Christian people should be amongst those who are at the front, at the vanguard of this movement. We pray, Lord, that you will awaken us to our responsibilities. It was, after all, the first task that you ever gave to humanity. Look after the world that I have made in the Garden of Eden. 
So we pray, Father, that you, you might encourage us and help us to be more aware of what is going on around us in terms of the created order. And it is at this time in our service that we recognize that we're not all that we should be. And it won't just be around care for your world. There'll be all sorts of things that have troubled us over this past week. Things that we've said or not said. Things that we should have said and didn't say. Things that we've done that we shouldn't have done. Thoughts that have entered our heads that really had no place to be there. In whatever ways, Lord, we've fallen short of your ideal and your will and your plan for us. We are truly sorry. We pray, Father, that as we come in confession and repentance like this, you will be true to your word, that you will receive us, that you will forgive us, that you will restore us and enable us to go forward again. Help us to be the best that we can be. Under your hand, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, We have the great joy and delight of welcoming uh, two new members into our fellowship today, Clem and Elaine. Uh, I'm going to ask them to come up to the front so you can all see who they are. Uh, We've got to know Clem and Elaine a little over the past few weeks and months. Those of us that have been on the Wednesday walking group, uh, many of us will have had numerous conversations. I've been blessed by being able to go and visit in your home uh, and a splendid cup of tea and cake we had. Thank you. If you ever get invited, say yes. Yes, please do. It's the only time I get tea. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You'll be bruised later, probably. Um, Two questions for you, really just uh, reaffirmation of your baptismal vows. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Do you promise to serve him in his church and in the world? Good. Now, would you like to just offer a word or two of testimony at this stage? Clem. I've taken the mask off because otherwise you won't recognise me and whether you want to speak or avoid us, it's it's (laughs) useful to know. Usually a testimony starts when I was a, you know, before I knew Christ and so on. Now for us that was a long time ago, so we'll do it slightly differently. In course of discussions with many of you, it's been obvious that that um, many have been in the church a long time, you know each other, you know the family, you know the history, etc., etc., and that's lovely. But nobody knows us, so maybe I'll give you a little bit of background. We were both brought up in Christian homes, made commitments to Christ as teenagers and were baptised. We both moved around the country a fair bit, Uh, what with work, and we've been able to serve in a variety of roles in a number of churches. In fact, not too far from here at one stage, because when we were newlyweds, we lived in Bedford. Mind you, that was 55 years ago. We have three children. Our eldest son, Tim, who's joined with us today, 
lives over in Lidlington with his family. And we have ten grandchildren who give us a great deal of pleasure. <laughs> At a relatively young age, I was made redundant from work and given early retirement. Now, this could have been a disaster, of course, but actually it turned out to be a time of great opportunities for us. Since then, we've been able to... <clears throat> to visit many places around the world and we've been able to answer God's call to serve him in our home church in Southampton where we've just moved from. We were there 40 years so we were beginning to put down roots. Uh, we served our community in the wider world by running a, a fair trade shop. We did some voluntary service with with BMS, which included five months in Kosovo and a couple of trips to India. When we were in India, we were helping at a, a, a hostel for children run by Anne Bothamley. Now, many of you who are involved with BMS will have heard of Anne Bothamley. She's served the Lord in India for the last 50-odd years. She's now into her 80s, and she's still working because God hasn't told her he's finished with her yet, which is rather wonderful. I mention her because she tries to come home in the hot season in the summer because it gets very hot out there, of course. And so she usually comes and stays with us when she comes home. So she will be here. And we are hoping that you'll give her a good Spurgeon welcome when she comes. She didn't come this year or last year because of COVID, but maybe next year. In all these things, we felt that God was leading us and, and he had work for us to do. So what about now? Well, we feel that God has brought us here and therefore he must have a purpose for us here. We're not sure what that will be, but we look forward to finding out. Those who are really sharp-eyed will have spotted that we're not spring chickens anymore. <laughs> so... Uh, what we can do is more restricted than it used to be. Moving to a new area and seeking a new church during a COVID pandemic is something of a challenge. Think about it. You can't turn up at a church and just sort of sit at the back and try it out. And... However, even before we moved up here, we had found Spurgeon Baptist. We were following the services online. When we arrived here, we had a warm welcome to the Zoom coffee after the service, which was great for getting to know people. We've been going along with the Wednesday walkers and had a really warm welcome there, and that's been great for finding out, uh, you know, for learning more about people and getting to know them. And we really appreciate the way you've drawn us into the fellowship. And we want to thank you for your friendship. Now, we look forward to sharing with you as we all seek God's plans for the future here at SBC. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you for that. Nick? It must be your turn. 
little while since I've been up here as well. <laughs> very odd, very odd. So today, um, as part of our harvest celebrations, but also to inspire us, if we've not already made a contribution to the thank offering month of September, you'll remember that we are um, giving ourselves the opportunity to make an additional financial contribution to funds um, this month to say thank you to God for allowing us to come back um, for the freedom to share our faith and to worship with each other. So that's kind of relevant when we move on in a moment. So it's harvest and it's that all together. And however old you are, this is the all age bit after all, so from the youngest to the oldest, you're going to need to use your imaginations this morning. Do you think you can do that? Yeah, you can do that. So... I need you to think and imagine, maybe close your eyes at some points, that maybe you're not just here in, you know, the familiar rows at SBC, but you might be somewhere else. You might be having a completely different experience. We're going to hear some stories of other people in other places in very different circumstances to our own. And I'd like you to try and imagine being in their shoes. Um, We're using BMS material, and it's called, Will You Stand? I Will Stand. The question to us is, will we stand? Will we stand with these other folk in other places who are having life, um, you know, they're experiencing life in very different ways to the way that we do. Um, For the people on Zoom, if you can't see the video particularly well, and you won't, I don't think, it's on the BMS website, it's free and it's easy to find. So you might want to um, follow that link that I think Yvonne might already have sent around. But... Oh, no, she didn't. Sorry. That was an idea we had. Oh, five houses. Five houses on Zoom. You can can find the video online. It's very easy to find. So let me give you an introduction. Mark 13, uh, verse 13, says, Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I will stand is an invitation. It's an invitation from BMS World Mission for you and your church, for us, And we're excited about it. We're inviting you to stand with your brothers and sisters around the world. Christians who daily take up their cross to follow Jesus. Men and women who have experienced rejection, hatred and persecution because of their faith. These believers, Christians from the Middle East, from North Africa and Asia, are choosing to follow Jesus through the darkest valleys, living out their faith and sharing it with others, even when the price is high. And by standing with them through prayer, giving and sharing their stories, you will help them to take the good news to places and people that it has never reached. Our church, we can send Bibles, we can equip isolated Christians to access Bible training, and we can partner with church planters. We can make new disciples and help Christian communities to flourish in places that are hostile to the gospel. All of the stories in the video we're about to watch come from the World Church, from people you can and are already supporting. And these fearless believers represent many others that you can partner with across the globe, that we can partner with. Their faces are not shown. The video is actually a cartoon. And that's because their situation is so difficult for them. We can't show you their faces, but we know that God has numbered every hair on their heads. Let's watch the video. 
saw Jesus 2,000 years ago. I was watching a vision. It wasn't like a dream. I was there with them. I saw he had 12 students. I saw him healing people, preaching. I hadn't read the Bible, but I saw it happening. When I woke up from the vision, I went to my neighbor, who I knew was a Christian. I told her my story, and she fell to the ground and couldn't say a word. She gave me a Bible and opened it in Matthew. It was unbelievable. What I read, that is what I had seen. In that moment, something inside me changed. The next two weeks were the best two weeks of my life. I was in a very hard situation, and my situation did not change, but I changed. My life started from that moment. I didn't tell anyone I was a Christian because I was afraid. Two years later, I moved countries. I tried every church, but they refused to baptize me. It's an Islamic country. If you change from Islam to Christianity, it really costs lives. I was learning the Bible by myself and searching for eight years. Then God found me a private teacher. It was a miracle. I learned and I started telling my family. I started with my brother. He accepted Jesus. Then I told my older sister. She accepted Jesus. Most of my family are Christians now. After that, we started this small ministry. We're helping people who are in need. We do work here and in my home country. In my home country, so many people became Christians, like 1,200 people. When the neighbors saw this, they tried to harm these people. But the Christians didn't care, even if it cost them their lives. I don't know exactly what will happen, but I want to serve God. When my mom found out I was a Christian, she said, I bore you in my womb, but I wish I didn't. Choosing to follow Christ was not easy. I'm from a Muslim background, and I saw myself on one side and my parents on the other. And I wondered, am I right and they're wrong? I would have rather been wrong and them right. There was no physical violence, but they stopped talking to me. My mom and dad are really dear to me, it was really hard. When my parents stopped talking to me, I was called into full-time ministry. At first, I wanted to have both, my family and the truth. But the truth has set me free, and I cannot not speak it. My ministry is on Facebook, which is really effective for reaching people. I remain anonymous, which gives people more freedom to talk. The people I talk with are Muslims. I understand the people who message with questions because I was once there. I want to learn more so I may be ready to answer as many questions as possible. I miss my family a lot. I do long for them, but I just don't want to give up Jesus. The Lord has performed a lot of miracles for me. He takes care of me. He answers my questions. The little details, they all add up. And when I think of them all... I can't but give all I have for him.
I made a promise that I would not let any Christians live in my area, nor would I let any church nearby survive. I was born into an orthodox Hindu family. I joined an extremist Hindu group and my life's main goal was to catch Christians and beat them up. One day, I met a man and he asked me, Why are you doing this? Why are you attacking people who have not done anything to you? And he gave me a New Testament and said, Why don't you read it? I started reading the New Testament and then almost every day I wanted to read that book. I saw how, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray and I learned to pray like that. And then one day I read, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And it hit me. After that I secretly started meeting with the Christians and learning from them. My village discovered I'd become a Christian and they tried to throw me out. They separated from me and said, we will not give you water to drink and we will not associate with you. It's, uh, it's been more than 20 years and I'm still separated from some of my village, but now out of 30 families living here, 22 families have come to know Jesus. And I pray that one day it will become an entirely Christian village. I also now oversee 150 small groups in my region. I know that following the Lord is not easy. I've suffered persecution and had terrible things done to me, but in all of that, I, I have hope. The Lord Jesus came into my life, taking me from persecution to praise. He's everything to me. He is life. I pray that I will be able to complete the vision that, that God has given me to reach out to as many people as I can. your imagination going? Christians in the UK have experienced a tiny glimpse of what it's like to be an isolated believer through the coronavirus pandemic. We've been separated from Christian community, we've been locked down at home, and we've not been able to gather for worship. Just shut your eyes for a minute. Just think back, what was that like? How did it feel to be unable to see or hug your loved ones? How did it feel to be unable to worship publicly? For many Christians that BMS supports around the world, this is what it's always like. 
Keep your eyes closed for a moment and imagine that you're sitting in the church, or if you're at home, at home, completely on your own, completely by yourself. Think about what it would be like not to know another single Christian. How would you grow in your faith? How would you worship? Where would you find the strength to carry on? And now imagine that your family and your closest friends have all turned their backs on you because you follow Jesus. They won't talk to you. You're not welcome in their homes or at their celebrations. And you know that for as long as you remain a Christian, they will act as if you don't exist. Would you continue trusting God? This was the difficult decision that the North African believer in the video had to make. But we are all one body. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You can open your eyes back up again now. By agreeing to stand with the Christians that we've seen uh, in the video and people like them, then we need to continue after we walk out of here this morning. We need to continue by remembering them and telling their stories, talking about them, keeping their stories alive. We need to continue to pray for them and people like them. And maybe we need to consider giving some money as part of that thank-offering month that we're in. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Uh, We're going to sing uh, together once again for the fruits of his creation. And as we are singing, uh, if you brought gifts for harvest, uh, during that song is the time to bring them forward. Just put them in the space to my left, your right. Uh, You can see where, uh, if you happen to have them with you. Okay, so let us stand and sing.
to receive the offering. Thank you very much. Let us pray. Father God, once again we've come to say thank you in this most practical of ways. Please take all that we have and all that we are and use even us to further your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Now if you're involved with Junior Church, it's time for you to take your leave. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Amen. going to bring our prayers of intercession to God, and uh, usually when I do that, uh, I tend to look outwardly to begin with, to the wider world, then into our own nation, and then uh, to our own fellowship. Uh, Just going to think a little bit about uh, what Nick was presenting to us earlier, uh, in looking to the wider world and thinking about those folk that find it hard to be Christians where they are. Uh, And when it comes to praying for our own fellowship, I won't list everyone as I have been used to doing, but just I'm going to mention one or two names only this time. So let us pray. We give you thanks, Lord, for our sisters and brothers around the world and particularly want to focus on those that really are under pressure to not follow you, whether that be because there's violence in their locality towards Christian believers or just because family would ostracize them. We pray for all those folk who have been rejected by their families because they've chosen to follow you. We ask, Lord, that they might experience your unconditional love. We ask that they might find strong Christian communities. And we pray, Lord, that over time, their families would accept them and would be reconciled. We pray for church planters in Asia who face significant persecution because of their faith. We give you thanks, Lord, for the many, many people uh, that are being reached by these uh, new church plants, these small groups in houses all around the world. We pray your protection over the church planters and for the new believers. We ask, Lord, that you might soften the hearts of those who want to harm them. We pray for all those who are isolated because they are Christian people. We pray that they might find other believers nearby, that they might be able to encourage one another. Uh, Maybe it won't be nearby. Maybe it will be through social media. However those connections are made, Lord, we pray that they might be made and that they might be fruitful. We thank you for the work of BMS 
and for all of the partner missionaries that they and we, through them, support. We continue to pray for all those who are reaching out to people who are hostile to the gospel. We ask that they might have wisdom to know when to speak and when to be silent. We pray, Lord, that you will give them the right words to say and the right demeanour and approach in order that your word, that word of love and reconciliation, might be heard. We continue to pray, Lord, that through the ministries of BMS-supported believers around the globe, many thousands more people will experience that whole life transformation that comes from knowing Jesus as Saviour and Lord. We pray for all those Christians living in hard places as they seek to share the gospel in word and deed. We pray, Father, that their witness will be powerful and effective, that you will give them boldness, courage, and wisdom, and that you, through them and us, will reap a mighty harvest. Pray for our friends, uh, for Babs and Alan, and for the family of Irene, mourning her loss, and for one another here as we remember our friend. Whenever we go into the garden, Lord, we will remember her with deep thanksgiving. We gather up all of our prayers as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's hear from God's word. Testament reading is Matthew 16 to 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Amen. 
Been here five minutes and already we've got them working. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Uh, one or two people said to me, Kevin, Harvest Festival, and what are you preaching on? And I said, fasting. And they said, is there not a, a slight um, mismatch in all of that? Uh, well, of course there could be, couldn't there? Uh, but I think, you know, we're, we're talking about spiritual disciplines. And one of the, one of the disciplines of fasting uh, is that it teaches you not to consume everything all at once or to be greedy for everything. Um, so fasting, I think, is, you know, it's not so out the way to be thinking about that and talking about that uh, at Harvest Festival. Um, all the religions of the world, all the major religions of the world, tend to uh, have some form of fasting attached as one of their uh, part, one part of their spirituality. Outside of uh, a Judeo-Christian understanding and, that, and outside of that Judeo-Christian tradition, usually uh, when one fasts, it's to do with gaining power over the deity or seeking to manipulate the deity to your way of thinking. Uh, that's not what we're doing as Christian people. Uh, Fasting has a long and honourable tradition in the scriptures. Uh, If you read through, you'll find Moses, David, Elijah, uh, Esther, Daniel, Paul the Apostle, Jesus himself, all fast. Historically in the church, uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, the great reformers, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, all part of revival movements, they all fasted as part of their Christian discipline and walk. Um, What is it? Well, quite simply, it's abstaining from food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose. Uh, It's not a hunger strike. That's a political thing. Uh, It's not health dieting. That's a physical thing. Although, uh, if you do fast, you might find... Uh, that your health improves as a result. Uh, Biblical fasting always has a spiritual purpose. It's abstention from food, but not from water. Uh, It's a private affair between the individual and God. Occasionally, uh, it's a corporate affair, as it was for us earlier this year uh, in Lent, when we called a day of prayer and fasting just to consider what we felt God might be saying to us and where God might be leading us uh, in uh, these particular days. Um, Again, there's precedent for this in the Bible. In the Mosaic Law, you'll find that there is uh, one corporate fast every year on the Day of Atonement. Queen Esther um, called her nation uh, to uh, fasting because of a national emergency All the people were under threat of being wiped out. Um, Jesus clearly expects fasting to happen. Um, That piece we read earlier, we had read to us earlier, uh, from Matthew's Gospel is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, The context is uh, giving, praying, fasting. For Jesus, it's a normal part of the spiritual life, and he is concerned that it should be done properly. So the purpose is so that we might focus on God and not draw attention to ourselves. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face 
so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So the primary objective is focus on God. Um, There are a number of secondary things that happen when we fast. Uh, Fasting will very often reveal what controls us, things that we normally bury in satisfying the desire for food come to the surface. Pride, anger, jealousy, fear. Well, if that happens when you fast, offer them to God in confession and repentance and receive the shalom of God. Fasting helps us to maintain balance in our lives. Uh, It is interesting, I think, how quickly non-essentials take precedence in our lives. And if we're not disciplined in the way that we live, that will happen more and more. Um, If you fast, when you fast, uh, you will find, I think, that you become more effective in terms of your praying. I think you'll find it easier to hear from God So if you're seeking guidance about something, if you link that with a period of fasting, uh, it may just help you come uh, to a better understanding of of what God's will is for you in that particular circumstance. Uh, It will lead to physical well-being because you're eating less uh, and therefore uh, less prone to all those things that may come our way when we, we become overweight. Uh, and it may, uh, it may help you in your reading of the scriptures to see more clearly what God wants for you. It has a number of other secondary effects too. There are many people around the world that will only eat once in the whole day. They may go to bed hungry. If you fast, when you fast you will feel what they feel. And of course, the money that would have gone on the meal that you have set aside could go to a charity, couldn't it? Could go to BMS. Could go to another charity uh, that is working to alleviate hunger and poverty in the world. Some practicalities. Um, Be progressive if you fast, when you fast. Start by missing one meal only in a day. Don't try and do a three-day total fast at the beginning. It will not go well. It will not be good for you. You will be distracted. Miss one meal for one day and spend that time Uh, with God so breakfast or lunch or dinner whichever learn to walk first and then run one meal in a 24 hour period uh, for a few times and then two meals in a 24 hour period and then three meals in a 24 hour period The novelty of what's happening to your body will tend to dominate early on. But if you persist with this, 
you will start to notice some other changes. Uh, you'll start to discern that inner attitude of worship. So that time spent preparing food and eating is now time given over to God, to prayer, to worship, to adoration, to meditation. If you fast, when you fast, make sure that you drink plenty of water through the period. Uh, The hunger pangs are just that. They're not real hunger, they're just pangs. Your stomach is like a spoiled child. Uh, And spoiled children need discipline, not indulgence. Uh, Don't fast if you're pregnant. Don't fast if you're physically unwell. Do we have to? Do we have to do this? No, there's no commandment to fast. Um, Just like you don't have to read the scriptures, you don't have to pray, you don't have to meet with others, you don't have to give. But I wonder, perhaps our discipleship is not as effective as we would like it to be because we don't take these things seriously. So I would encourage you to try it. Uh, As many did, actually, in Lent this year for the first time. And it has been really interesting to talk to those that did fast. Uh, The excitement in the conversations uh, was palpable. It was really interesting uh, to have those conversations. So, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, do it with the right motives. You will grow in faith. And God will bless you. Amen. We sing together once again, beautiful Lord, wonderful Saviour, and then we'll gather around the Lord's table.
If you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbours and are resolved to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking henceforth in his holy ways, then draw near with faith and take this sacrament to your comfort and growth in grace. Come to this sacred table not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come into the house and eat with them and they with me. Let us pray. Lord, we come to your table trusting in your mercy and not in any goodness of our own. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs from under your table. But it is your nature always to have mercy and on that we depend. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Here are the words of the institution that Paul hands on to us. For the tradition which I handed on to you came to me from the Lord himself, that on the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in memory of me. 
In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. We read that Jesus gave thanks for bread and wine, and we shall do the same. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Father God, for bread and for wine, ordinary things which in your hands become extraordinary. We thank you for giving us something to touch, to see, and to taste that reminds us that your sacrifice was real and relevant even for us today. We pray that as we eat and drink, we will do so with thankful hearts. Amen. Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you. We eat the bread as we receive it. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink this, remember me. We retain the cup and drink together.
is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. We sing our closing hymn, friends, In Christ Alone. forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory sin's curse has lost its grip on me for I am his and he is mine bought with the precious blood of Christ in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny, no power of hell, no scheme of man, can ever pluck me from his hand, till he returns or calls me home.
Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or holds me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Love with all sincerity, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen.